After ball, rugby. Started off thinking I was the Brian O'Driscoll. Then I worked my way down to Mike Tyndall, who just was like solid and could run through people. My coaches gave me the Bible in how to play seven. Join in the obsession. Subscribe now at offtheball.com forward slash join. Football on Off The Ball With William Hill Who you got? 18 plus cgamblingcare.ie This is News Talk You'll have seen over the weekend on Sunday at Tallis Stadium at the Lone Ten Women won the first major trophy in the club's history They are FAI Cup champions They beat Shelburne on penalties so it was drama to the end and Laurie Ryan is the uh, player who had the honour of lifting trophy captain so uh, name goes down in history forevermore she has broken off from heavy celebrations we're presuming she's sober Laurie Ryan is with us now hello Hi how are you thanks for having me Oh she's hoarse she may be <laughs> she might be sober but she's hoarse <laughs> Yeah it's been a wild few days but it's been great <laughs> I'd say it has magical few days I saw the footage of the team getting out of the bus and bringing the trophy across the Shannon I hadn't really thought that'd be a thing in Athlone it's got like a foot in both camps but crossing the Shannon I guess if it's there you might as well do it is that the logic? Yeah I think it's been something that's been done through the years with clubs that win anything in Athlone um, so it's great to get to do it and the experience of it was amazing I think that's something that we've all referenced yesterday was that was probably the best moment with the couple of hundred people that had come out and I suppose all our families and friends were there as well so it was just really special to, to do that and it was a nice way to come back and meet everyone as well Yes, I imagine it was Hell of a story here on your part in that uh, so two days ago you lifted a major trophy on national television and yet your journey into football, I guess without um, dressing it up too much, uh, right location with your job and your postman happened to <laughs> have a link to a certain football club. So why don't you tell us how very late on in your, in your uh, sporting life that uh, Women's National League came into your uh, circumference? Yeah, I suppose I would have played Gaelic football over the years. So I was always... Um competing and playing every weekend and uh, just when COVID hit I actually ended up getting a new job in Athlone and I moved up there um, so I'd taken a, a year out from Clare and um, it just wasn't really feasible to be travelling up and down with the restrictions and all that so I kind of was like maybe the right time to just have a year to myself um, obviously I got bored <laughs> and took on a new sport um, but it was really random literally a girl from my old soccer club text me and ask would I would I like to join um, for the year coming and I said I'm actually living in Atlone and I'm not even playing football this year um, and she was like would you join somewhere up in Atlone to make friends and I, I was like yeah maybe and then she texted me and was like oh yeah you've trials there with Atlone next week I've been on to, to one of the managers so I was humming and hawing about it for ages and I'd ordered boots just in case I decided I would go um, but anyway the morning of it I was still kind of like I don't think I'll do it because kind of hard to go and put yourself out there when I was 27 at the time I hadn't played soccer in years and I was kind of like I'd prefer to do it maybe for a bit of crack yeah. um, and then Tommy obviously called to the door with the boots and was like oh I'm your manager and I'll see you later um, and it's funny myself and Roisin Malloy actually would join that night together um, and we text each other on Sunday and was like think back to when the two of us trained with the under 19s and we were both absolutely terrible <laughs> to see how far we've come and to, to get over the line and win the cup it's just um, massive and it's hilarious to look back on now and how 
how we actually stuck it out and got through it. So you've been playing uh, soccer, I guess, on a more casual level in Clare and then playing for the Clare footballers and playing in intermediate All-Ireland finals and, and to a very, very high level. How quickly did you get up to the pitch at Atlone Town? Obviously, your manager, Tommy, saw enough in you early doors to keep you around. Yeah, he like in fairness, so they had a good lot of girls in on trial because um, they were trying to build a team. They'd only been in their league for a year and it was kind of a stop-start year with COVID. So they hadn't really got a good run at it. Um, so it was a, a big trial period of getting girls in, trying to get numbers. Um, but yeah, he kept me on. And I think um, obviously I was a bit more mature as well in 27. That was probably something they were lacking a little bit in that own was an older kind of figure for people. Um, and although I mightn't have had like all the skills probably that everyone else had, I had played big matches with Claire and I was used to like a, a professional enough setup. So just little things like that were able to cross over for me. And that's probably what stood to me initially to, to get me through and to get me, get them to keep me, I suppose. <laughs> Well, it's worked out brilliantly. As for the game on Sunday, it toed and it froed and it went to extra time and then it went to penalties and you're in the very strange out-of-body experience of watching penalties from the sideline. You've been taken off at that stage. You have no control over anything. No, no control. But to be honest, everyone that knows me knows how pleased I would have been not to be in the queue for penalties. <laughs> okay. Laurie, you're up. <laughs> <laughs> there was against Galway, I was next up and I had my legs were jelly. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make the walk up, never mind take the penalty. But um, Cause you've, you, guys have yeah, had, was, you guys have had a lot of penalty shootouts this year. I think even the quarterfinal against Piment was a penalty shootout. Yeah. They always say it's very um, difficult to practice penalties. You can't really recreate the pressure Athlone Town have had their fair share of practice in in real time this season. Yeah, four penalty shootouts. We had the President's Cup to kick us off and then Galway the first round of the Cup, then Mount, and then again Shelburne. Um, so it's, you can great, gain a good bit of confidence when you're taking them and winning penalty shootouts. Um, so that was one thing we were kind of like, we, we can do this, we have done this, um, which was great. But yeah, I suppose it was just an emotional roller coaster of a game, to be honest. Um, the, the ups, the downs and, and to, for Gillian Keane and score that goal um, she's going down as a legend in the club for all of us anyway and we're all just loving her this week for, for the way she got that goal and the way she came off the bench and it, it probably was our bench that won it for us on the day Yes, Gillian Keenan she scored in extra time equaliser to take it to penalties so she's not buying a drink this week no, she actually started a job on Monday and on post. So we have a running joke now that she always delivers. Okay, very boom, boom. <laughs> oh, tough day to start a job. I mean, <laughs> I guess you can't really phone in on your first day and say, I'm not going to make it either. Yeah, no, she she came back to, to celebrate for a little while, but then she headed off to get ready for work on Monday. So right. in fairness to her, she, she was very good. I don't know if the rest of us would have been as, as good as that. Yeah, I can imagine. So kind of a strange season. Uh, Shamrock Rovers have arrived and made a big um, pronouncement in the league. They've taken lots of players from around the league. Jessica Hennessy, one of those, for instance, who moved and Emily Corbett went to uh, Wexford. And it was not like a seamless season uh, Tommy Hewitt left the job midway through and a bit of an improvement so it's been I would think a bit testing Laurie and, and it's not like oh an FAI Cup final win was always on the cards here so obviously a, a, a sweeter second after the season Yeah definitely I think we probably underestimated 
the effort you have to put into rebuild when you lose big players like obviously Emily, Jessica, Neve Coombs, Melissa, Scarlett. We, we've lost a lot of core girls over the course of the year mm. and to, to rebuild w- without them is something that probably took a bit longer than we had envisioned. Envisioned, um, so that was something that we probably took a little bit for granted, and we were probably conceding goals that we probably we wouldn't have last year, um, so it did take a while to rebuild. Um, obviously, Tommy leaving then was another kind of road that we had to go down and get over and it was new ground for a lot of us like that had never happened a lot of the girls um, where manager left mid-season and mm. you're kind of in a space of what's going to happen next there was a big break coming for the World Cup and um, it was a, there was a lot of uncertainty it was the mid-season break so girls had the opportunity to leave as well so we did, we lost Scarlett and that um, so like things happened and I, I suppose that's what kind of nearly brought us closer together and when we came back in after the break everyone was nearly a little bit refreshed um, and we set out the goals of let's go try win something like we're, we know we're good enough we know mm. we have the ability but probably hadn't done ourselves justice in a lot of cases with some of the matches and the results that we'd gotten um, but we, we never felt like we weren't good enough um, just probably didn't really do what we wanted to do and maybe put too much pressure from the outset of let's win a trophy we were so close last year instead of taking it game by game which is how we probably should have approached it How have you juggled GEA then across the last year 18 months? Yeah um, obviously I've been playing with Claire for the last two years as well as doing that loan and my club as well so it's been great like I, I love it I, I know it, it, I'm gone every night training and I have two matches every weekend but you kind of when you're enjoying it and you love the girls on both teams and you get to meet people all the time and my family go to the matches and it's it's kind of something that we all do together well, it's they not would, just they wouldn't, see, they wouldn't see you otherwise by the sound of things <laughs> yeah yeah in fairness like my boyfriend's been very good driving me places just to, get, to try to spend time with me um, <laughs> you sleep in the but, back yeah I know but it's it is it's great like and obviously we we lost the All Ireland final with Clare this yeah. year and um we've lost two monster finals at my club but I always think you you do have to go through losing some things to get to get that feeling of how how good it is when you win yeah um, and I definitely felt like that on Sunday lifting that cup I can imagine I mean what a, what a sweet way to finish the football season so like how do you juggle. Uh, not to mention your job as well, I'm sure, which you take very seriously. I know you're, you're, you're big into the world of science and you're a lecturer at um, TUS Athlone. How do you juggle d- the demands on your body? Like, I, I, I presume you have the license to say to your loan manager or the Clare football manager, listen, that was actually a tough weekend. I played two matches. I'm going to skip training. Or do you even not allow yourself that option? What's your approach here? Because you don't want to break down halfway through each season. Yeah, and in fairness, they're both really good to me. And if I do turn to them and say, look, I actually have a big match this weekend or we had a heavy session last night, I, I they'd, they'd be very willing to work with me. And I suppose sometimes they let me sit out of any running they might be doing. Um, but I'd always be there. I'd always be present. I'd always tug out. Um, majority of the time I'd take part because I'd, I'd feel well enough to do that. Um, but if there was ever a time I was kind of sore or I suffered with chin splints for a little while, yeah. um, it meant I just had to manage my load a little bit better. And I obviously we work in the Department of Sport and Health. So like we have a lot of lectures and I'd always be asking them like, is there anything other I could be doing or how could I recover? Or 
just little things and I'd be trying to learn all the time because like it's not perfect yeah. I know it's not ideal what I'm doing but as long as I can stay doing it I will try and yeah. probably lucky in one sense as well Chloe Maloney that plays a P-mount um, played with Claire with me so the two of us kind of were on the journey together so was it be able to bounce off her as well which is great Which of the sports is more physically demanding? Um, like I, I always say that there's a lot more sprinting in the the Gaelic football, but the soccer you have to be so mentally tuned in for ninety minutes that I find that I'm wrecked after it, and you're just constantly near the ball, like in soccer. So you could get it one clearance and the ball is back into your half. Or so I always find that it is more you have to be switched on at all times, but you definitely have to be able to sprint more in the the Gaelic football. And in terms of the treatment of players, you know, it, it, it's such a a big topic at the moment on the GAA front, Mary McAleese is trying to lead amalgamation and make sure that there are access to pitches for female players, which is such a basic thing to say. But in the world of GAA, access to pitches and not at, you know, ungodly hours. And then yeah. on the football side of things, you know, no more than uh, male counterparts in the League of Ireland. It, it's just an uphill struggle and, and probably even more so in the female game to get facilities and, and everything else. So what is the treatment of players like in 2023 in both codes, Laurie, you'd be pretty well placed to give a sample. Yeah, to be honest, like I've just seen the improvement since when I've been first involved and all you can ask for is that we're making progress every year and I think that's something that we're doing. Um, obviously, there's pros and cons with both Um and I I always have the discussion with everyone that's involved in both and how we get treated in either or and is there any like things that I can take from one to the other that would be good um, so yeah like I, I, I obviously think the GPA have been massive in striving for good conditions for the for the LGFA and you can see the difference um, between grant money fed after training hot showers getting into training bases like stuff like that have has really drastically improved since when I first started playing um, obviously I've only been in the League of Ireland for three years so I have seen a progression in that short space of time um, and I think the promotion of it has been fantastic since I joined so that's obviously leading to better standards then within the clubs so the more we put it on the map and the more people get behind us the better everything will be for everyone yeah. um, so it's just on, constantly about making progress every year and you're not going to climb Mount Everest in a year. It's how you can get improvements year on year to, to get to the standard where it needs to get to. Um, and you can see that everyone is trying. Um, it doesn't always go to the plan, but the, there is definitely a big push for it. And I think even outside of the, the communities of the soccer, the, the ladies Gaelic football, the men are starting to get behind it now to, to strive for better conditions for us. And that's fantastic too. Yes. Um, this is a week of celebration, so I don't want to take you down too dark a path at all. But uh, I was reading some really strong quotes from you about an episode of concussion a couple of years ago, which seemed to just be the most miserable, to put it lightly, recovery. You might tell us about that, Laurie. What what happened and the recovery period as well, which was far from straightforward, it seems, and, and like emotionally took a major toll on you? Yeah, so I was playing a league final with my club and... I was running for a ball and I just clashed with one of my own players and one of the, the girls from the other team and I just didn't feel right. I kind of set up and I was like, don't feel great. I, I'm going to have to go off. And straight away, that was kind of an alarm bell. Um, but uh, 
I went home, I drove home, I thought it was fine. And then it was just kind of downhill from there and things just got progressively worse um, for me and ended up having to go to a few doctors, a physio and probably spent the bones of three to four months kind of improving myself. Um, I was left a lot of alone time um, because I couldn't really sit down and talk to people because the movement of my eyes between people would give me headaches so it meant that I wasn't able to sit down and chat with my mum and my nana like or anything like that um, and I, I, I managed to, to get through it but it was really draining on, mentally on me but also my family I suppose they had to sit through and watch me struggle to stay awake struggle to have a conversation and not be able to go to work for I don't know how many months um, so yeah it was really really tough and probably something that I hadn't really taken serious up to that point um, anytime someone had come training and say they had a concussion I'd be like ah they just don't want to do the running nearly like mm. so because you can't see the injury as well it's really tough um, because people are like oh are you back this week or will you be back next week and they probably didn't realise like I couldn't even sit down and watch a football for five minutes without getting a headache because right. I was sitting right. in the dressing room with the physio while everyone was out training just because I couldn't look at the football Right because I saw a line where you said a lot of the physio sessions resulted in tears as well. And I didn't quite follow that because for a start, I don't even know what a physio would do to help with a concussive injury, for instance. Like, I mean, they're massaging your temples, you know, what, what, what's a physio doing in that department? I don't know. Yeah, no, it was actually way more straightforward than that. They'd literally have me looking at a lollipop stick and getting me to move my head from side to side or else they'd have a, a long thread and they'd have three beads on it and they'd tell me which colour to look at so I'd have to focus my eyes on it. Um, they might tell me that I had to face away from them and jump around and catch a football and like something as simple as that I couldn't actually do it without looking at them for five minutes being like, what am I meant to do next? Um, you must have been terrified. Yeah, like I, I think when you, you kind of get everything gets taken away from you all of a shot, you're kind of like, oh God, there's more to life than sport um, yeah. because you're you're sitting at home crying and you're like, am I ever going to feel like myself again? So yeah, it was really tough at the time, but like I was really, really lucky. I had great people around me. Um, my Nana looked after me so well at the time and I think it was a really scary one for her because she obviously had never seen me like that either. So was just lucky that she'd come with me to all my physio sessions or my best friends had come with me. They'd never let me do anything on my own. And it was really tough as well. Like things were happening with Claire and I was their captain and to sit back and watch that, it was it was such a kind of worry in my mind on top of everything else because I felt like I was letting them down as well. And mm. as a team sport athlete, you, like you just don't want to let anyone down ever. And they were playing Monster Final and I wasn't even able to tug out. They were playing in Cusick Park for the first time. And I was sitting in the stands and I wasn't even really able to watch them because I was getting headaches. So oh. I was just present. <laughs> yeah, 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 I can imagine. And I guess, you know, when the symptoms don't clear up in a few days, that is when it gets worrying. And maybe, you, well, I hope you didn't, but you can start reading the horror stories of rugby players or different uh, contact sport players and, and they don't come out of the fog for, well, maybe sometimes ever, you know? Yeah, and I suppose it was actually a few days after it had happened to me, it got worse nearly. Like, right. it, it wasn't getting better, it was getting worse. Um, that's, and a, that's alarm bells. 
Yeah, and even now, I, I wish I knew then what I know now, like as in the best way to, to deal with concussions is to work with a physio to kind of retrain your brain. No more than if you get any injury, you go to a physio and get them to look at it and go on a rehab program straight away. And concussions, no different. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. The initial doctor I went to told me to rest. The second doctor I went to mentioned that there might be a physio, but rest is probably the best option. So like... It's not that well known, I suppose, that uh, like if you do get an injury, it mightn't just go away at rest. Yes, it's it's so funny you say that because we had an expert in concussion from a US university in last year and he was making the very same point that there is a received wisdom that you sit in a dark room and you rest and you wait for it all to pass, whereas actually the opposite is the case. You need to take a proactive approach to it and, and do exercises. Yeah, and like only for when I started doing the exercises, I started to see improvements. So it was it was fantastic to actually see that week on week. And obviously I'd be going back thinking I'm nearly ready to go again and I'm ready to go back playing. And that's probably when I was getting frustrated when you, you wouldn't get the results or the answers you wanted. But they were constantly telling me that I had to go by the programme and I stick it out. You only get one brain was their reality. <laughs> well, when you put it like that, fair enough. Um, well, look, I'm glad that's long behind you now. That was 2019 territory. So hopefully well in the rearview mirror. I was reading that you're a lecturer in science at TUS Athlone. Are the kids today taking up science? Are you getting lots of demand? Is it a, a, a growing area in the country or is it always difficult to attract people? Yeah, so I'm kind of lucky. I'm in the sports science department and I just right. teach all their kind of pure science lectures. Um, so, yeah, we have a really good demand in the college. And I always say I, I really enjoy at Lone College. I went to UL and I loved it. But to get the different experience of, uh, of a smaller college is, is lovely and get to know all my students um, they were all like wishing us luck last week in the build up I even walked through town on Wednesday night after training and they were like come on the town right. um, and even it, there's a nice kind of bond as well in that a lot of the Athlone girls would go to the college so I've taught a good few of the girls um, and again that kind of breaks barriers to, to seeing me outside of just sport um, and to get them into the classroom and feel comfortable enough to talk to me in a different situation. Um, but yes, like it, it is hard to, to get numbers into science, but I, I love it. Like, and I, I'm very passionate about it. And even last week, I, I had a lot of events on for Science Week that I would organise and run. So um, yeah, it's, it's great to be involved in something that isn't totally dependent on sport because it gives me something to talk to different people about, which is also nice. Yeah, because I remember reading during COVID and this is just one of those things that's easy to be written down and may not be true, but there was a great prediction that you know, uh, there was a time where like Luke O'Neill was a rock star in this country and all, we all knew all the scientists by uh, their names yeah. and faces. We saw them every night that there'd be a big upsurge in interest in science among, amongst younger people on the back of COVID. I have no idea if that came to pass or not. Yeah, I actually don't really know either. Yeah. Um, but I do think that COVID did have an influence on a lot of college courses and the, the people that were coming there. And we've seen a, a good upsurge in, in our courses as well, obviously in the sports and health science department and the nutrition side of things as well. We have a course on that. So, yeah, it's great to have um, 
those interests outside of sport and you meet different types of people and like everyone has something different and I suppose I'm really lucky that it's a perfect blend for me and that I get to teach my science but I'm in the sports department. Yes, ideal. Well look, I hope you're not as busy for the next couple of weeks now and you can uh, just uh, chill out a bit and take a bit of a break. We will let you go because I'm sure there's celebrations to be had but Laurie Ryan, captain of Atlone Town, big congrats. Amazing day for everybody involved. Thanks so much for the time Laurie, appreciate it. No problem, thank you. Football on Off The Ball With William Hill Who you got? 18 plus See gamblingcare.ie This is News Talk